Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and I'm here to help you, work with you, and make you more aware of the bullying epidemic, the problems that we face in schools, in politics, in our community, in our families, the trauma that some of the victims have experienced. I'm here to maybe throw a little more insight and give you a little more insight and more knowledge and helping you see the problem and helping helping you deal with the problem as you face it, as everyone faces it. It's a horrible thing to be bullied. It's uncomfortable, it's humiliating, and it robs people of their dignity and it keeps them from realizing that they're human beings and deserve to be treated with kindness and respect and, and with a caring attitude, and no one deserves to be harassed or intimidated or picked on or abused by anyone. And that includes children and families where parents are bullies where parents pick on kids and affect them in such a way that it, that it just robs them of their childhood and puts them in a position that they become adults with less resiliency and less confidence as they move forward in this world and try and make a life for themselves. Now that theme song that you just heard as we started this podcast was from the Superman movie with Christopher Reeves uh, where he, they recreated the Superman saga 
that started in the 1950s where George Reeves was Superman. I think you can all remember, you know, the opening sequence, the, the uh, language faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet. And he was a person who tried to keep people out of trouble. And if they happened to get into trouble, he was always there to help bail them out with his superpowers, with the ability to bend steel in his bare hands. And of course, he was disguised as Clark Kent, and he was the mild-mannered reporter for the Daily Planet. Now, the actor, George Reeves, allegedly committed suicide on, in June of 1959. And there was only one thing, there was only one thing that affected Superman. Kryptonite. Kryptonite was a piece of a planet, the planet Krypton, that broke off from the planet and some of it landed on Earth and when Superman was exposed to it, he lost all of his powers. He became weak. He didn't have the ability to fly, to bend steel. Bullets wouldn't bounce off his chest. Nothing. He was weakened by kryptonite. And, you know, there are things in this world, there are behaviors that other people exhibit that can weaken other people. There, there is trauma that we go through in our homes. There's bullying that we go through in school or in the community. There's difficult situations because of our upbringing that we may not have the ability or the power or the strength or the courage to overcome. We become weakened. We become weakened by certain situations and certain people. And if you were a kid and your parents were abusive and you happen to get around abusive people, you become weakened by certain people. You become frightened by certain situations. You become fearful of certain confrontations that you may have to have. All of those things become what I call kryptonite to us. They weaken us. They make us less than what we really are. And what I'm going to share with you today is some of the behaviors, some of the philosophies that have been adopted in education and some of the behaviors that we've allowed to get into our schools that not only weaken teachers, 
They weaken students, they weaken administration, and it gives them, it puts them in a position where they can't do their job. And it puts kids in a position where they can't learn. Now, I'm going to leave a link to a book that I wrote a few years back, and it's called Our Schools Are Filled with Kryptonite. There are so many things going on in our schools today that have just weakened the entire system. And that's teachers, kids, administration, the superintendent. Sometimes you get a cranky parent, an irate parent, that just, when they come into a school... Our legs get cold because we don't have the courage to face them and let them know that, yes, their kid did deserve to be suspended because they ended up in a fight or they were a bully or they picked on somebody or, or their behavior was just so unseemly and so out of, out of bounds and they were so disobedient. There was nothing we could do, but the parent could come in and just weaken us to a point where we give in or we... What we do is we commute the consequence to where, to where it really means nothing. Now, these are not just behaviors that I'm going to share with you. And I'm going to leave this link in the episode description for you to get the book. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to go um, over all of them today. There's 15 of them, 15 different behaviors that I'm going to cover. I may do half of them today and half of them in the next podcast, but the bottom line is, okay, I want you to really listen to what some of these philosophies and behaviors are, either that we've accepted or because there was just too much pressure from the top where they've accepted the new normal. The new normal. And they expect teachers, maybe some who've been around for a long time who are just not used to this new normal, to put up with it and deal with it, and this is the way things are. It is imperative that we recognize this, where we realize it. And some of them you may agree with, some of them you may not. But I'm going to share with you some of these today, and some of them probably in the next podcast. And I want you to really pay attention because they're important. Number one that I have here is the philosophy or the idea of medicalizing education. Medicalizing it. Now, I don't care to joust with anyone regarding the condition of ADHD. My goal with this communication to you is to give you a clear view of the topic 
and help us, you know, kind of determine what's organic and what's truly learned behavior. You see, organic behavior is you ha do have a condition. There's something wrong. There is something wrong with your uh, your your brain's ability to communicate. The the uh, neurons aren't firing. There's short circuits somewhere. That's organic. That's like having diabetes or a heart condition or high blood pressure or whatever the case may be, and it could be genetic. And the, there is a difference between that and learned behavior. And the last time I looked, giving some, you know, a kid giving the teacher the finger is not organic. It's learned. They've learned disrespect. We've gotten to the point where medication might be the first choice in treating behavior problems, not the last. It's proven to help kids with ADHD or ODD. ODD is oppositional defiant behavior, which I question as well because I think a lot of that is learned. But if you talk to any therapist, they'll tell you that medication in combination with therapy is the plan that nets the best result. And I believe that in schools we kind of rely on meds too heavily and they need to be used in combination with solid discipline and effective consequences. The other thing I have for you is we were ADHD and ODD 40 years ago. They weren't an available condition, I guess, or they, they weren't invented yet. And that's because kids with behavior problems were few and far between. Authority was respected by parents and students. And when we discover that disrespect is now the norm and not the exception, oftentimes we'll create a condition to support the behavior. And if a kid acts up today, it's usually attributed to the fact that he didn't take his medication consistently, when in reality, he's not being disciplined effectively. Medical kryptonite. That's what I call this one. And we have to be aware of it. We have to take our time and realize that we have to use effective discipline in schools. And we have to know the difference between a clinical problem and learned behavior. Because if a child is not taught at a very young age... By the time he hits five or six years old, his thoughts are formed. He knows what he can get away with, and the foundation is weak. The foundation is made with bad mud. In other words, it's not strong enough. The concrete will crumble. And we have to be aware of it. And we always must follow our 
instinct when it comes down to discipline and make sure that we have reliable, consistent consequences in place to deal with the behavior. And if medication is something that a child needs, it needs to come down the road. This is known as taking a conservative approach. You talk to a doctor, they'll take the most conservative approach necessary to treat a condition until they reach the point where they have to go, a person has to go on medication. High blood pressure, let's see what we can do. Eliminate salt, take a walk, uh, stop smoking, all of those things. Then if that's not enough, you got to take medication. High cholesterol, reduce your intake of fatty foods, take that walk again, and then what? If that's not working, you need medication. It's the same thing with behavioral problems in school, and we can't revert to medication first. If we do, if we do, okay, what will happen is Kids, they w- we will rely on it too heavily and we won't impose the consequences and oftentimes the behavior will uh, be looked at as the end result of not taking medication. Medical kryptonite. Now, number two. Disrespect is pervasive in our schools. And disrespect is not only pervasive in schools, but in society. Kids aren't corrected for it, and they become adults who believe that they can say and do whatever they want to do. And that includes instilling the fear of God into a teacher who tries to correct their kid. Teachers complain about it. No one talks about the problem. Why? Because this fear ascends the ranks. It goes to the top. And school administration and even superintendents live in fear of irate parents. Nobody confronts. Everybody runs. And the schools are controlled by 20% of the parents with the loudest voice and the most threatening attitudes and behaviors. Behavioral kryptonite. Categorically disrespect. Behavioral kryptonite is the category. The subcategory is disrespect. And if we don't begin to teach respect through the imposition... Through the imposition, once again, of reliable consequences, what will happen is kids will grow to be disrespectful throughout their lives. And once again, it starts before the kid is five years old. It has to be taught. Now, Behavioral kryptonite, in the category, behavioral kryptonite, the next one 
irresponsibility. And once again, understand what kryptonite is. Understand what it is. Okay? It is weakening our schools. It is weakening our culture. It's weakening society. It's weakening politics. Because no one can be respectful of one another. And we have to get to the point where kindness, respect, caring, you know, and just a good attitude when you're involved with having a discussion where both parties don't agree, where you can have a discussion that's respectful. Once again, irresponsibility, behavioral kryptonite number two. Educators are under constant pressure to improve student test scores and to improve students' overall academic performance. If a student's standardized test scores are not up to snuff or if the students have academic difficulty that can't be explained, guess what? Mr. Principal finds his way into the classroom for an observation to try and find something wrong with the teacher's instructional methods. Once again, the responsibility, okay, is not put where it needs to be, and that's on the student. The question that gets raised here is, who is responsible for a student's academic performance. Now, don't get me wrong here. Don't get me wrong. Here's the point that I want to make. As a teacher, I lay out everything that is necessary for you to be successful. I provide you with instruction. I provide you uh, with uh, a good environment in the classroom. I make sure that you're on task, I discipline correctly, I do everything that I'm supposed to do. I give you and work with you so that you have the tools to succeed academically. And if you don't, whose fault is it? It's not my fault. It's my fault if I don't teach you It's your fault if you don't take what I'm giving you and use it to your advantage. And you know, I wasn't a very good student in elementary or high school. I struggled to get C's and on an occasion, and you know, once in a while I'd get a B. Nobody questioned how good my teachers were. I was questioned about what my responsibilities were were as a student. My father knew when report cards came out. He knew exactly what I was supposed to do. And if I tried to pull a fast one and say, well, the teacher doesn't like me, you know, or whatever the case may be, he wasn't buying it. He didn't didn't want to hear it. It's my responsibility. And there's a lot of things that are a kid's responsibility. So, 
behavioral kryptonite. In the category, behavioral kryptonite. Disrespect number one, irresponsibility number two. Now, here's another one for you. This is number four. Number four. Self-control is taught. Whatever happened to self-control? It's not taught. One in four homes, at, as of the writing of this book, were in foreclosure. Can we blame the banks? I know you could say that the banks gave out bad loans and all the other stuff. Or can we? Everybody wants something bigger and better. To get bigger and better, the money has to be made to get it, unless the bank doesn't care. But in the final analysis, the decision is made by the buyer. Teenage obesity, diabetes, addiction, alcoholism are all evidence of the lack of self-control in society. And we have this same problem in the schools. The same problem. Kids can't control themselves. Once again, we can go back to that medical model, but the bottom line is kids can't control themselves. They become kryptonite to a classroom, kryptonite to a school, and they begin to affect how the school is run and how the teacher behaves. Because the teacher gets weakened and the school gets weakened. And, you know, as an adult, you know, there's, they, they could have anger issues. Can't control themselves. An anger issue is just the leftover bitterness from childhood that gets carried into adult, adulthood. And that wreaks havoc on families. Our society, which is our, our schools, which are supposed to be a microcosm of society, has lost control of its thoughts, its words, and its actions. Now, what produces a nation of people with self-control is consequences. But what's happening is we are all, schools, community, society, are experiencing the kryptonite syndrome and we're sitting in a leaking boat right now because we do not have self-control. That's all there is to it. And we have to get it and we have to teach our kids what it's all about. My name is Jim Burns. You're listening right now to Anti-Bullying 101. The podcast is our schools are filled with kryptonite. Things that are weakening our schools, which ultimately begin to weaken our culture, our society, and our nation, and we have to be aware of them.
And I'm probably going to get through five of these today. This may turn into a three-part podcast. I'm not sure because if I continue, this thing will just go on and on because I am so convinced that we have to take a look at some of these issues that are ha- that are occurring today. So we'll go with five today, five the next podcast, five the next one. I hope that's okay with you guys, but I, I hope it gives you enough enough meat here to want to tune in again. Because I'll be doing the next one next week. And if necessary, if I feel as if I want to get this thing done, so you have all three of them, I'll, I'll do it. Um, I may do them this week. But please stay tuned to Anti-Bullying 101. This is something that I think everyone should have. And I do believe that you will do well. The book is cheap. It's an ebook. It cost $8.99. I'll leave the link. Go buy it. It's in my store. And read this stuff because there's a whole lot more than what I'm sharing with you here. See, there are things, folks, that everybody knows. Everybody knows it. They know about disrespect. They know about irresponsibility. They know about disobedience. They know all of it. They know that teachers are, you know, under the gun. Teachers feel like they're under the gun. And with COVID-19 right now, they're all overworked, burned out, exhausted, and they need help. But we don't talk about it. Everything gets kicked under the rug. And it's not something that we look at. We look at it, you know, and we say there's nothing we can do about it. Or maybe if we had a reasonable discussion about some of these things, there would be we'd dis- discover that we could do something about it. And if we stopped looking at things as the the new norm and just moved forward, we'd discover that, you know what, if something wasn't broke, we didn't have to fix it. Number five. We, we, everybody lies to kids. Are you ready for this? It's what's weakening our schools. We lie to one another, but we lie to kids first. And what do I mean by that? We give them an inflated view of their ability and we start dumbing down our curriculum to hit the least common denominator. We don't want to affect their self-esteem by telling them, you know, the question is, how did I do on that test, Mr. Burns? Well, you did a, we'll take a look at it. Maybe you could read, well, you failed. That's how you did. What do you want me to tell you? Now, you can retake the test. You can try to do it again. I'll give you a study sheet. Once again, I'll lay the groundwork. I'll provide the environment for you to do well, but you have to do it. What is self-esteem anyway? I don't even know what it is. And today, kids feel good about themselves for no apparent reason. 
It's almost impossible to be left back. And as I said before, and if the kid has low test scores, guess who gets the blame? The teacher. So we just say, you're doing great academically. It's wonderful. I'm so happy, you know, that you're doing wonderful. You know, blah. Meanwhile, you're failing. And I'm afraid to fail you because I don't want to hear any crap from the administration. And we give the kid a false sense of visibility. Now... Here's the problem with it. Here comes the problem. Somebody, somewhere, at some point, is going to tell them that you are not as smart as you think you are. And then guess what? Everybody's going to know that he's not as smart as he thought he was. And... What's going to happen? You won't get, they won't get into the college that they want. They may not be able to pass an entrance test. They may not be able to do a resume, the job application. They may not be able to perform a test. They may be having trouble with the authority in, uh, on their job and quit jobs. They may be leaping from job to job strictly because of the fact that the, their boss is asking them to do things that they can't do. And it's all because we lied to them. We've, we've accepted disrespect. We've re- accepted irresponsibility. We've accepted noncompliance. And now we're accepting poor academic performance because we don't want to have a problem with someone saying to us, you're not doing your job. And if I sound like I'm yelling, I am very concerned about these topics. And we've only covered five of them in the last 35 minutes. Our schools are filled with kryptonite and it's leaking out into society, into colleges, into the community, into the world, into the nation, okay, and we are developing young adults who are not scholastically prepared, are disrespectful, irresponsible, and basically take a pill for just about anything, and that includes a little bit of anxiety that they may feel because they're moving into a new situation. And am I saying that, you know, people don't get anxiety? Of course not. People get it all the time. I get it. And I'm sure a lot of people do. But if everything is making you anxious, you have to reevaluate your behavior and your thoughts. Because what you think... What you imagine in your mind, okay, will do nothing but create anxiety, tension, and frustration. We cannot continue to lie to kids. We've got to be up front with them right off the bat, and we have to demand, and we have to expect good, a good performance out of them and we have to give them the environment where they can do it that's our job as teachers provide them with the environment 
so that they can become good students moving forward and not be giving them some tale that they're doing okay when really they're not. That's five. We'll do another five in the next podcast. I don't want to overwhelm you. Please take a look at the book. It's going to be in the episode description. I think you'll enjoy it. I really do. My name's Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. This, This episode, we covered five things that are absolutely classroom kryptonite, which have leaked into our culture. Only five this time, five more the next time, probably five more the next. This is an important issue, folks. We need to really take a look at it. We really need to take the time, take the time to digest it and say to ourselves, what can I do? And it doesn't, you don't have to be a teacher. You could be somebody in a store who's disrespected and you have to know how to confront the person who disrespects you correctly. And if we don't, that means that that person weakened us. That person became our kryptonite. So all of this, all of this snowballs as we get older and as kids get older. And it becomes worse and worse and bigger until we're in a position, maybe like we're in right now. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I'm going to leave you with a little more of that Superman song. This is from 1977, though, not from 1957. Have a great day, everybody, and I'll see you next time.